Hello, and welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. If you don't want a cookie-cutter, generic home, and instead you want a beautiful, meaningful home that's layered with personality, then you are going to be so inspired by the conversations we have on this show. We talk about why the environments we create matter and how to set up our rooms to evoke specific feelings and experiences that are right for you wherever you are in your life right now. I'm Zandra, your host and creator of the Slow Style Home Framework that teaches you how to make really thoughtful and informed decisions about your home rather than chasing current trends that may not last or staying stuck with rooms you hate, feeling overwhelmed with too many choices. Right now, when you join our monthly membership, the Slow Style Society, you'll get a personalized deep dive into your vision of what a dream home looks and feels like. And together, we'll come up with a plan on how to achieve that. If that sounds pretty awesome to you, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society for all of the details. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later on. Right now, let's just jump into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Style Matters Podcast, brought to you by Little Yellow Couch. I'm Zandra, your host, and I am so glad you're here, but you have caught us during a break. We will be sharing all new episodes starting May 4th, but in the meantime, stick around because today you'll hear a re-released episode with one of my all-time favorite guests. Now, this one took place several years ago when my good friend Karen Grant was still co-hosting with me, so you'll hear her voice along with that of our guest, Lisa Borgnes-Giramonti. Actually, Lisa isn't just one of my favorite guests on the show. She is also one of my all-time favorite authors when it comes to design books. Hers is called Novel Interiors, Living in Enchanted Rooms Inspired by Literature. Now, maybe you're wondering what other design books I would highly recommend. And if you would like to know, be sure to sign up for the Little Yellow Couch newsletter, because I just sent out my first three recommendations, of which Novel Interiors was definitely at the top of that list. But I'm going to be sending out my second set of book recommendations soon, so sign up. And when you do, you will also automatically receive my free worksheet on developing your own style manifesto. And I have to say that this period of self-quarantine, when we're all doing our part to stay at home to curb the spread of the coronavirus, it's actually a great time to fill out the Style Manifesto worksheet because it does require a bit of self-reflection, and we don't always have time for that kind of thing during our normally busy, hectic lives. Plus, signing up for the newsletter means you won't miss any of the exclusive content that I'm putting together specifically to help keep our spirits up while we're stuck at home and while the podcast is on break. So I am talking about things like the book reviews, which I just mentioned, but also I'm going to be doing an organizational challenge, offering DIY ideas, uh, how to work from home during the quarantine, and also a live Q&A with me about any of your design dilemmas that I might be able to help you with. So 
To join the Little Yellow Couch community, just go to littleyellowcouch.com and click on the yellow button that says Your Style Manifesto. It's right at the top of the homepage. All right, let's get started with Lisa Borgnes Giramonti. I just have to say, I, I, I am, I, I, I don't want to be a weird stalker or anything, but I, I mean, I cannot tell you, and Karen feels the exact same way. How much we love your book. Oh, I thank mean, you. Oh my gosh, it is. It speaks to us on so many levels, and it, it makes me want to go do something. It, it, it's very. It, it, it's. I don't know. It just. It's incredibly inspiring. Oh my gosh, thank you so much because I mean that's you know is written for everybody that loves literature or loves design and and you know especially for people who you know have books that they read and wonder how they can um get some of that feeling and that ethos and the coziness of these rooms into their homes or even people that are attracted to certain design styles and want to go deeper and, and you know like someone that's attracted to you know like rustic modern or something and um, and then realizes that there's a whole world of literature out there that that really kind of like typifies that style, you know, Willa Cather and D.H. Lawrence and you know Sarah Orne Jewett and everybody like that. So I'm so glad that makes me very happy. Thank you. Well, that that leads us right into our first question, which is, you know, you said that these authors inspire so many of us uh, to to recreate the the settings that they've created, but I actually don't think many people have put those two things together. That's what's so brilliant about your book is how did you come up with the idea of connecting literature to decor and creating a home? Well, I love that question Um, because I feel like I have always, since I was a kid, that that's, I, I always lived in books. Um, when I was, by the time I was like 10, I had lived in five countries. I had four younger brothers and sisters and I was like the bookworm in the family. And, you know, we just kept moving around. And the one thing that never changed was, you know, I had this, you know, shelf of my favorite books and I would dip into them and I would just, you know, I would disappear. And I remember vividly, you know, reading Pippi's Longstocking when I was like six or seven and, you know, just being entranced by the way she lived in this, you know, bohemian house all by herself. And, you know, she climbed on the furniture and she would, you know, play games where, you know, they didn't touch the floor and everything was different colors. And, you know, that was kind of just, it just felt, you know, I lived in this very like mid-century modern house with a lot of like white and mirrors and stuff. And to me, that was just heaven, you know, and then, reading, you know, The Secret Garden, too, um, or, you know, Secret Garden, I remember, um, you know, just the the garden itself, but growing up in the Midwest, after we moved there, you know, like you're talking about Boston, I mean, these hot, humid summers, and I would just think of, like, the house in The Secret Garden with those cold, you know, cold stone floors, you know, and it's just, you know, I would transport myself back there, but, um, and then, as I got older, I really, I guess, I've always remembered the rooms. I mean, more than the plot points in the novel, when I think of my favorite novels like Jane Austen or Charles Dickens or, or I mean, F. Scott Fitzgerald, it's not so much the plot points but what happens between them that um, draws me in, those moments, those those special little moments. And, you know, life is, 
you know, meaning and meaning is the stories that we tell ourselves. That's how we make meaning and literature is stories. So, um, you know, all these moments I wanted to recreate myself and I carry them around with me. So to go back to like why, how this kind of happened, um, I mean, about four years ago, I was asked to give a lecture in Cincinnati at the, at the, at a library and they wanted me to talk about the houses I had lived in and how um, the books that I had read influenced me. And yeah, I went back and thought about all the different places I've lived, like Williamsburg in the 90s and London in 96 and all the different um, you know, apartments and everything. And I realized, you know, one thing, my style kept changing. First, uh, it started off very kind of Tama Janowitz in the 80s. Like, you know, I had like the zebra striped futon and like the trestle <laughs> table. And, yep. you know, I was reading Slaves of New York. And, I, <laughs> you know, that was totally who I was. Yeah. You know, and then I moved to Williamsburg in like this little carriage house and with two English roommates. And it was this crumbling kind of falling apart house where, we kind of, um, you know, it's very much I Capture the Castle by Dodie Smith, you know, which is a book where these uh, these sisters, you know, live in this old crumbling down castle and they kind of just make whatever they can. They're so inventive. And so, you know, my roommate would plant moss on the fireplace mantle and plant <laughs> and put um, flowers in it. And we had, um, you know, we just get, we had all these horrible sofas, but we would just drape them in velvet throws and like light candles and throw a party, you know? <laughs> and my bedroom, my bedroom, I remember it had like a window that faced this um, Polish like sausage factory. And I was like, oh, shit, you know, what can I do to this bedroom to make it cool? And so I turned it into like this sheltering sky room and I got like a mosquito net and, you know, I painted the walls in this deep terracotta and I painted the ceiling in this like navy blue with like kind of pale blue swirls that was kind of like conjuring up, you know, a stormy sky. And I had gone to like the Epcot Center or something back then and (laughs) bought like a Moroccan tambourine and a couple pillows. And that was it, you know, and I was like, you know, every time I went to my bedroom, I was like in Paul Bowles land, you know, and, um, you know, so all the houses that I've lived in have kind of always been a reflection. So when I got the invitation to speak at this lecture, which I did and kind of talked about a lot of what I've just been talking about now, you know, I just started to think, well, I can't be the only one. And, and certainly these aren't, the, you know, my the books that changed me. I mean, there's so many more. And so, you know, every time I thought of a a novel, you know, D.H. Lawrence and, um, you know, the, the, the interior design of of his novels, um, or Willa Cather. And then you look at, you know, which is very Zen and kind of like, um, you know, man-made over machine-made and, um, you know, natural materials and uh, simplicity, or you look at F. Scott Fitzgerald or or Michael Arlen, and, I mean, they have a totally different style of living, obviously, because the characters are different, and we are what surrounds us. I mean, that's why these authors describe their, these, the settings, is because they fit the characters. I mean, in F. Scott Fitzgerald, everything is about, like, kind of glamour and, and confidence and optimism and it's you know, like the days of like jet set early days of the jet set and and so all these things around the the main characters 
reflect that. I mean, there's mirrors, there's clean lines, there's, you know, lots of white or lots of black. And then, you know, even in, you, know, you can go on and on and on. But I realized that when it came to design books, you know, I had all these design books in my house, and which I loved. And a lot of them had to do with Paris style or California style or Hollywood style. So it was based on a, you know, they drew their inspiration from a geographical place. Or I'd have, you know, monographs on certain designers. So that was their particular vision. Um, or there were time periods, you know, like 1950, mid-century style. But no one had ever kind of done the world of all these authors, which in a way encompasses everything, but at the same time is so personal. And once I kind of decided on that, you know, I read about 100 novels. Most of them I had read before, but, you know, really reading them with an eye for, like, picking up every single detail and, um, uh, you know, got a book proposal together and uh, got an agent and then was lucky enough to get a couple offers. And I went with, uh, you know, Random House and... It happened. Well, it, it sounds like it's so natural that you've been making these connections between the settings found in books and your own home life since you were little. Yeah. And I, I, again, I just have to say, I, I, I find it still so brilliant because I, I cherish the books that I own and mm-hmm. I love looking at them. I love looking at them in my bookcases and I love looking at the titles and it reminds me of a particular time in my life that I was reading it and what it meant to me based on what I was going through at that time. But I still don't think I made, I have made the leap between that and using it as a very practical source of inspiration for how I might want to decorate. And that's what your book does so brilliantly that, that I just, Karen and I, we have read a ton of design books, and we've never seen one like this before. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. I mean, you know, when you read these books, though, like you think of Elizabeth Gaskell, who to me was kind of like the Martha Stewart of her day. And, you know, her novel Cranford is so great because, I mean, she just populates the this novel. Every couple pages, there's like some kind of Martha Stewart tip, like, you know, some character <laughs> right. is putting vanilla beans in, you know, the underwear drawer, you're like, oh, <laughs> like, I'll do that, you know, or lavender. <laughs> or, you know, she's talking about, like, how the books are kind of arranged in a circle around a table, and, you know, the, you know, there's branches from outside, or, like, things are worn, and, uh, I mean, she gives you all these kind of specific things. Oh, even, you know, like an orange studded with cloves, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah, that that's, you know, I totally, I, sh- I got to do that, you know, for the holiday season, because it's, it's great. Um and so all, and, you know, and then even um, F. Scott Fitzgerald is another great example because you can really, Tender is, Tender is the Night is uh, one of my favorite novels in terms of style because he, at one point he describes this outdoor dinner party in the south of France that Nicole and Dick Diver give. Oh, yes. And I'm telling you, it's like that, those three pages, you just need to, like, Xerox them and, like, <laughs> <laughs> like put them up when you have a party because... <laughs> He gets it. He gets it so well. Like he's, you know, he talks about how the host greets the guests in the beginning. You know, he talks about there's a special cocktail, and if you Google, you can find out the cocktail is called a ju- the juice of three flowers. You can find the recipe online. You know, and then he talks about, um, you know, how there are lanterns in the trees and and candles on all the tables, and how they even there's the garden is even planted so that it's kind of like a moonlight garden, so that there's all these kind of plants that are gray and white 
and that kind of spring to life when the sun goes down, like they release their scent. And so there's this table under the pines hung with lanterns, and these people are gathered around the table, and he talks about how, you know, they are alone in their own dark universe. And you're like, oh, my God, like, that's what you want in a dinner party is you want everyone to just, like, be so bonded and connect. And how do you create that? How do you create, like, that feeling, um, you know? And, and, and here and here we've got William Faulkner fig- telling us how to do it. Or Fitzgerald, I'm sorry. Yeah. Fitzgerald telling Fitzgerald us how to do it. Exactly who, who would have thought to... that you'd get that from Fitzgerald? But it's right there. And you you found it. You were You were open to finding it, which is exciting. Oh, thank you. Well, and I love hearing about about the, your long long lived passion behind books and but i but i also i i'm curious how long it took you to write this book sort of you know if you're reading 100 novels over again and uh curating you know and maybe also how you found the places uh to photograph that are in the oh book gosh. because i mean each <laughs> one of them and, and and then pairing them with these quotes and i mean it's it, it's one of those design books where you read you absolutely read every word too yep oh you guys thank you um well i'll tell you the book got written because i was completely naive <laughs> i had no idea what i was getting myself into i mean i did kind of but i was so naive honestly that when I signed a deal, I thought that I was going to get like a production person and kind of assistant. And, and I remember they said to me, so, you know, how long do you think it'll take you to to write the book? And I was like, no, oh, maybe, you know, I mean, a year, maybe a year and a half. And they're like, well, we, you know, we could give you about nine months. I'm like, okay. And uh, they said, um, so just call us then. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Like, oh my God, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. But, <laughs> it was fine. You know, so I read, you know, I, I just had huge spreadsheets of like all the novels, all the quotes from the novels. And I started to uh, categorize um, styles. So, you know, immediately I knew that like Elizabeth Gaskell was going to go in the chapter with Jane Austen and Charles Dickens and, you know, Oscar Wilde and Marcel Proust were going to be way on the other end because their rooms were, you know, completely different. And then at the same time, I started to really kind of just live with all these, um, you know, uh, elements, all the elements in each chapter. You know, I had like 10 or 12 elements of style. Like in the first chapter, Charles Dickens one, I was looking for tattered rugs. I was looking for, you know, uh, a house that had lived, loved, and, you know, had lots of laugh lines. You know, I was looking for worn furniture. I was looking for cracked teacups or, you know, things that like were – it's not about the provenance of an item, but about the patina and the soul of an item. So, you know, luckily, uh, I live in Los Angeles, so uh, there are many people I know, many friends who have kind of designed their house to be their own fantasy. So I knew, you know, I had a couple houses that I knew would fit perfectly with, um, you know, the first chapter. Um, and I, I knew of houses up in the Hollywood Hills that were very, very... D.H. Lawrence and very kind of rustic modern. And then I hired a photographer and we put the shoot together uh, in about, we had, we shot for about two weeks, maybe three weeks in New York, New Jersey, and Los Angeles. You shot and, all of those houses in three weeks? Well, I, I, I 
I shot all those houses in three weeks. Yes, uh, it was a tight, you know, it was a tight schedule. It's like every day is a different house, wow. but um, it took it took longer to get them all together. And then, of course, I had to like pre-scout and make sure that, you know, that if I'd seen a picture online and on a website or something, that it still kind of did look like that. But um, it was so much fun. It was just, it, you know, it was just a dream come true, though. I mean, it was the hardest thing I've ever done, and also the most, you know, rewarding thing I've ever done. Oh, I bet. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it just, it completely shows through. And uh, Sandra called me the other day and she's like, we need to go antiquing. We need more teacups, you know? And I was like, I was like, why? And she's like, I'm on the page where there's teacups and we need more teacups. Oh. So. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's fun. It makes things fun. It makes shopping fun. And I think, um, you know, it also gives you a story to attach to something so that, uh, you know, for people who are young and just starting out in their own apartments and, you know, a lot of times meaning is inherited through items like you get something that belongs to your grandmother and there's a story attached to it. And that's great, but a lot of people don't have that. So, you know, how do you create a home that's really meaningful when you're just starting out? And I think, you know, you can go to the chapter in my book and, you know, find you say, well, if I love, you know, bohemian stuff, um, you know, I love that kind of whole layered look with like lots of colorful textiles. Then, you know, you go and you look at, um, read that chapter and, and you're like, okay, you know, maybe I'm going to get a Suzani, like may, maybe I'll hang it up behind my bed because I don't have a headboard, you know, or maybe I'll just, um, you know, I don't have enough money for like a really big, nice rug, but I can go to a flea market and buy like three or four or five and kind of just layer them on top of each other and maybe put a big floor pillow on, you know, a couple floor pillows and that could be like my hangout area. So, and that's very Isaac Dennison. Um, so, you know, or you know, there's, you buy like a brown Betty teapot, which is like the, the teapot, it's a brown teapot, it's made in Stoke-on-Trent, and they're very inexpensive, and most 19th century novels are always, you know, they're always drinking tea out of this brown Betty teapot, so, you know, you get that, and you're like, okay, I'm connected. I'm connected, <laughs> I'm connected. yes, that's what's so awesome about it is that you are connecting to something that's meaningful to you because the book was meaningful to you and the characters and the story and the setting and and then it becomes very personal so something that you might not have any connection to whatsoever suddenly you do yes yeah and I think you know also as as your style keeps changing you know because I've probably uh rotated through many of the chapters in my book just in my terms of my own design style um or or you find one that um grounds you like you know maybe probably for me it's the first chapter where things are worn and you know has soul but but I layer it you know so then I add like bohemian layers on top because I travel a lot and I like to buy things you know that remind me of the places I've been um and then you know every now and then there's like a piece of drama in there so uh, I, I remember you know, which is very much like you know Proust and Oscar Wilde would always you know, they created these incredible theatrical backdrops for their um, their heroes or their protagonists, and um, it was all about, you know, making the guest or whoever was in the room feel like they were the only person on Earth. You know, so that's nice to do in a room, too. Like, you could create some dining room where when people sit down and you dim the lights, it's like that's it's happening, like they're on stage. And that, it's fun. People live. People, like, rise to the occasion when they feel like they're in a space that um, inspires them. Right. And you talk about that in your book about having that 
that the that the setting that you create can evoke the confidence in your guests to yes. rise to the occasion of you know their best selves or their most entertaining selves and people just have a lot of fun when they're feeling good about themselves they do and you know i also love I, I know it's done a lot now too, but um, you know I love like having mixing up all the dining chairs because again it's like when you're having a dinner party like you don't invite eight people with the same personality so <laughs> you know I think your chair should be afforded the same privilege and yeah, you know yeah. when oh, people I sit down that. like some people are on a bench some people are on an armchair it's like it's all good it's like they just understand that everything goes everything goes you know this is not going to be like a formal dinner where we have to like restrict ourselves to certain like politically correct topics or whatever like we're just going to have glasses of wine we're going to eat and have have a great time yeah we'll be back after a quick break I assume you're here because you want a one-of-a-kind, personality-filled home, right? Well, in order to have that, you need to define and develop your signature style. When you do that, you're going to understand how to mix what you already have with new things you find, focusing on who you are and what you love, putting it all together in a cohesive way. So what's stopping you? Well, let me know if this sounds about right. Not enough time, not enough money, and a lack of creativity or design knowledge, which makes you feel overwhelmed and insecure about pulling the trigger and changing things up. This is why I created the Slow Style Society, to help you take action on making your dream home a reality. It's part social club for people who like to just geek out on design and part hands-on learning experience where you get better and better at making decor decisions for each room in your home. And for the next few weeks, I'm offering all new members an additional one-on-one style session with yours truly. So I'll take you through the lessons so you know exactly what to focus on inside the Slow Style Framework in what order, and you'll have a personalized support system from me to get you there. Go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society so we can get started right away. Let's not wait for that imaginary perfect time to create your beautiful, meaningful home. Again, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society. Okay, back to the episode. Oh, that sounds, I want to be, can I be invited? Can Karen and I come? <laughs> um, well, we, we are, we have so much more to ask you, but we do want to be conscious of the time, but we're going to fit a couple more questions in. Sure. Um, Karen is an embroidery artist herself, so I know she is really Ooh. interested in talking to you about your work. Yeah. So go ahead, Karen. Right. Yeah. So we love, oh my gosh, we love your work and people can check it out on your website, but um, you have both a series of pieces that are needlepoint samplers (laughs) that sort of look like traditional pieces, Mm -hmm. but they're more of a commentary on modern day life. And so we'd love to hear about those. And then also you have quite a few pieces that are interiors that you have painstakingly because I, I embroider almost daily. Wow. It keeps me sane. It's, it's my, my I, get to be the, I get to be the recipient of much of what she makes, which is I'm lucky. It's my <laughs> drug of choice. So, um, but we'd love to hear sort of what embroidery means to you, what taking, taking the time to do something with your hands of that type of detail, but also having something to say behind it. Yeah, I've been embroidering, you know, since I was a little girl too. My grandmother embroidered, my mom embroidered. So, you know, I grew up in seeing them sew 
you know, my mom used to just sew millions of like Christmas stockings. You know, everyone would get like big Christmas applique stockings with like sequins all over them. And, um, <laughs> That's great. So I, I wanted to do things though that weren't necessarily part of a kit. I wanted to do, I always wanted to do my life. It's like, if I'm going to sew something, I want it to be really personal. So I started off like in my twenties, kind of embroidering the rooms I lived in. And I have three or four pieces that are on my website where you can actually, you know, it's, it, those were so labor intensive and they took about three to four months each. And I mean, they're not enormous. They're like maybe eight by 10 and there's thousands and thousands of stitches in there. And, you know, I love embroidering because it's a connection to the past. Um, you know, it's kind of this traditional woman's work, but what, but, but it really shouldn't be. I mean, why is it, you know, it's relegated to a craft, but I think it's kind of, I think it's more of an art actually. And, um, but then I, I, I realized, you know, if I just stick to doing these small pieces, you know, I'm going to have like 10 pieces by the time I die. Cause they take <laughs> right, forever. Cause so long. <laughs> forever. Yeah. And so I was also interested, you know, as a writer, you know, I was kind of also interested, um, in, in poetry and I just started, you know, writing these little poems because I, I also loved samplers, you know, those 17th, 18th century samplers were girls would use them, you know, as sewing instruction. And there'd all be, always be some kind of moralizing sentiment about, you know, living well or dying young or, you know, I mean, they were very, they were very happy, these samplers. <laughs> and I thought, you know, why I wanted to do samplers that reflected my, my life, my time, my society. Um, and I wanted to make them big. I just felt like, you know, I just want to go big. And I, I've always had this like infatuation with burlap. I just think it's so cool. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? I'm making, I could make these big samplers on burlap oh, and, yeah. you know, make the stitches. So it would be the same amount of stitches. <laughs> it's the exact right, same amount right. of stitches. Just bigger. You know, but they'd be big. And so I started, um, I, I did a couple. And um, somehow, I think I must, might have put one on my website or something. And somehow this gallery in Beverly Hills found out. And they called me and came over. And they said, you know, we'd really love to put, uh, a couple of these in a group show and they called me back a couple of days later and they said you know we'd really love you to have your own show I mean could you do 10 and, <laughs> yeah 10 I did like I had two and I was like you know absolutely because that's what you do right you just say yes right I mean right. I spent a lot of, of my life being yes. frightened and saying no and oh. so now I'm at you know I'm just like I just say yes so like absolutely and um I spent the next nine months like on my hands and knees like doing these big samplers I had a show and, um, it was, you know, I, I, I loved it. I mean, I love, uh, I love living in LA. I loved living in New York. I love, um, kind of taking this comical view, like satirical view of society, you know, in the same way that 18th century cartoonists like Thomas Rowlandson or, or James Gilray, um, they kind of lampooned, uh, you know, fashionable society back then. And right. You know, come You're on, life it. is funny. I mean, Hollywood is funny. It's a funny place. Um, I mean, a lot of, you know, and it's not just Hollywood. Like, life in the 21st century is pretty funny at times. <laughs> and so, you know, I thought about all these, you know, I'd been to see the Bay of Tapestry in, in France, which is that super long tapestry. It's like 80 feet long. It was done in like, I don't know, like the 1500s. And it's all about a battle. It's about William I and conquering and stuff like that. 
and the, it's so great because the characters kind of look like um, they look like cartoons. I mean, they're they're they have like bowl cuts, and you can see like the, what they were wearing, and <laughs> you kind of walk down this tapestry, and you can see this actual all this action kind of unfolding. But what was amazing is when you see it, you're just like, oh my god. It's like a cartoon, and it just feels so approachable and so relevant, and I get it. You know, it's not like some really formal Aubusson tapestry where it's all religious and stuff. And so um, after that, I kind of um, – I started embroidering. I, right now I'm working on a show um, of fearless women, uh, women who – did not women who took risks and did not care one whit about what anyone else thought of them. So I've done Edith Fitwell and I've done little Edie Beale, you know, from Grey Gardens and I've done Diana Breland and <laughs> Oh I'm Diana. To, <laughs> I'm gonna get started on Patty Smith and, you know, Isabella Blow and all these people and um you know, so I guess I sew to inspire myself. Um, you know, this show is definitely about not being afraid because I spent a lot of my life I think saying no to things that I probably should have said yes to. And uh, so this is kind of my, uh, I don't know, my way of, of kind of never going back to that again. Oh, yeah. That's a great commitment. Um, yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I love the samplers. I want to keep doing samplers. And to me, it's, it's sewing is, it, it's just the medium I use to, um, to talk about, you know, how I feel about society today. So. It's, it's great. It, I, just for our listeners' sake, we're going to read one of them. Okay, so this is a sampler. Fill me, plump me, smooth me out, inject me with a girlish pout. Keep me spotless and unmarred. Just put it on my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just great that it is in this traditional style because if you looked at it from far away, although these are big, so maybe this wouldn't be true, but <laughs> if you were to look at it from far away, you would not know that it, you, you would assume it was a traditional sampler. Exactly. So I, that's I exactly what joke. I wanted. That's a, that's yeah. a, I'm so happy you said that because, yeah, that's, I mean, that's why, you know, I kind of did it in that traditional style because. I almost wanted people to like be like, oh yeah, it's just one of those, you know, talking about like tuberculosis and you know, early death, and and then you look at it and you're like, oh my god, like no, it's not. So, well, I think to your point too, they were of their time, so yes, they didn't feel old fashioned the to them. Yeah, that's what concerned them. I mean, they wrote about their lives, so um, you know, it, it's it's it made sense to to write about you know what's happening today. Well, it's great. We love it. Yeah, absolutely. It, so we could go on and on with our love fest for you. <laughs> Lisa, we just, we appreciate your time so much. And we, we just, we love everything we've talked about. We're so, I mean, just so genuinely inspired by this book. And I just, I, I want to like right here to say to all of our listeners that go get this book on any level. You're going to get something out of it. I just think that it's inspiring. There's a, there are practical ideas. Lisa gives you lists of of objects that you might want to look for when you're antiquing, if you know what kinds of books and therefore what kinds of style you're you're interested in, which I think is so helpful. There are so many people that they get so overwhelmed with big antique malls or or, or antique fairs, and they end up feeling sort of paralyzed and not buying anything. And I think that this gives you a little, a fun little shopping list almost, or, or, or like a treasure hunt, you know, something that you're going to, that you're going to, it's a great way to spend a day to just go have your little treasure hunt list and go try to 
seek these objects out. Um, so that's a practical example of something that you might find in the book. But then, of course, there are also all of the inspirational photos and all of the quotes that you put in from all of the authors. And, you know, some of the books that you mentioned, I haven't read in 25 years. Right, and, right. Oh, yeah, you and want then, to pull them out again after this, too. Yep. You feel a little bit more educated after you read the book, too. Just <laughs> oh. <laughs> always a nice yeah. feeling. <laughs> well, you know, hopefully it'll inspire people to, you know, just like you said, get out your books and, and read those again, because there's just it's just so much. And I mean, it's it's fun to, I feel like I carry all these books around me in, in my head. You know, I don't need, like, you know, I feel like I don't need material possessions as much anymore because I have everything in my head. It's like the last scene in um, that movie uh, Fahrenheit 451 by Francois Truffaut when you see all these people and, you know, by a lake and they just, they say, hi, I'm David Copperfield. And they start, they have memorized all the books because, you know, books aren't allowed anymore in that society. And so I feel like when you have that, I mean, you know, if my library were to burn down or whatever, I'd still have so much in my head that um, I just, I feel blessed and all these precious moments that I can still think about. So I can take that with, you can take that with you. I mean, and, and it's about connecting, you know, I mean, literature is about connecting. I mean, these authors wanted to connect and um, they put their specific ethos and point of view and, and styles and everything in all their books. And you'll find one that just is magical to you. I mean, you will, they're, there are all these styles, and one of them will connect with you. So um, if I could get people to uh, read, you know, go back and look at these books again with, like, a different um, point of view, you know, or a more kind of inspiring way to get into the book, then, you know, I would feel thrilled. Absolutely. And almost permission to to linger on some of those pages because I think uh, – Sometimes we think we're the only one that has has read through a chapter again and again to, <laughs> to yeah. sort of and and again you know the last it. thing is like I feel like the meaning in these in in novels is not the plot points but what happens between the plot points and so it's those quiet moments and it's the same in life you know I mean the, the times you're going to remember like when you're on your deathbed are, are those quiet moments like when you were looking down at your child or when you were like looking at the ocean and the, the wind was blowing and the sun was perfect I mean it's not like dialogue you're not going to remember dialogue you're going to remember these this, the moments of stillness that were so beautiful and in all of these novels there are there are moments of stillness to be found and moments of beauty and you know if I can bring those out of the past and and show you how relevant they are to life today and and how inspiring they are and how they can add beauty and meaning to your life then then that's then (laughs) then you've done you've done your job yeah and you you really have you really have lisa thank you so thank you so much you're welcome it was such a pleasure you guys thank you so much for listening Don't forget to sign up for the Little Yellow Couch newsletter for your free Style Manifesto worksheet, as well as access to exclusive content. Just go to littleyellowcouch.com. Also, I hope you are taking care of yourself, staying sane, and finding at least glimpses of a silver lining during these very uncertain times. Be sure to stay in touch. I will be back in your earbuds next week. Bye for now.
thanks so much for listening. I know your time is valuable and I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And please, please, please take a minute to leave a review for Slow Style Home wherever you get your podcasts. It honestly does help keep this show on the air and your feedback is highly valuable to me. Have a great day and I'll be back in your earbuds soon. Bye for now.